Ezekiel chapter number 12. Ezekiel chapter 12 and starting at verse 21. And while you're going there, let's make our confession together. Ready? Let's go. My life is being restored with the Word of God. The Word of God is restoring my life. One more time. Let's go. My life is being restored with the Word of God. The Word of God is restoring my life. The Word of God is restoring my life. Uh, verse number 21. Verse number 21 says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel, saying, The days are prolonged, and every vision fell it. Tell them, Therefore, thus said the Lord God, I will make this proverb to cease, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel, but say unto them, the days are at hand, and the effect of the fulfillment of every vision, for there shall be no more any vain visions, that's empty vision or, or fruitless visions, or flattering divination within the house of God. Verse 25 says, For I am the Lord, I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. That word shall be, be performed. It shall be no more prolonged or, or, or delayed. For in your days, O rebellious house, will I say the word and will perform it, says the Lord God. So you and I need to release our faith for God's word to come to pass in our lives. So we're teaching from this subject of the fear of unfulfilled vision. Fear will always keep you out of faith. Fear will always keep you out of faith. And so... Uh, that can be this fear, this spirit of timidity that what I've seen, what God has shown me, the visions that I have, the dreams that are in my heart, my heart's desires, and even God's word will not come to pass in my life. You know, you can get so caught up into not seeing how a thing is going to happen to where you can start operating in the fear that it will not happen. And that's what the people of Israel had, had began to do is believe that God's word wasn't going to manifest, that what God said and, and visions that had been declared, those things are not going to come to pass. And, and my objective is to get you away from that and get you out of that. And so my objective is to give you some, get you in faith and give you the wisdom that you need for manifesting the visions of your heart and seeing the fulfillment of the dreams and desires uh, that you have. And so we're teaching from this subject of the principles of vision, the principles of vision. And so we're looking at these major obstacles of unfulfilled vision, and in particular we're looking at obstacle number five, and that is not knowing or understanding the principles of vision. Vision, we said, is a clear conception of something, you know, but it doesn't really exist in the natural. But it can exist. But it's this clear conception that is, right now, it's just a part of your imagination. You can just see it with the eye of the imagination, or you can see it by the eye of faith. It doesn't exist, but it can exist. It's a strong and clear image of a, I like this, preferable future that God wants to give you and I the futures that we prefer. Amen. He says that he would give you the future that you hope for, the one that 
that you desire are the one that you planned on. Tell the person next to you, say, God wants to give you the future you hope for. Tell someone else around you, say, God wants to give you the future you hope for. If you're sitting next to your spouse, tell them, say, God wants to give us the future that we desire. Now, folks, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. And I think it's a great deal that God would set himself in a position to where he wants to do that for us. Now, here's a statement I want to give you as we, as we start today's teaching. Uh, the success, fulfillment, and manifestation of your vision, your dream, and your heart's desire without stress, say without stress, is rooted in the application of principles. Is rooted in the application of principles. I'll give it to you again. The success, fulfillment, and manifestation of your vision, of your dream, or of your heart's desire without stress. Because what good is it to have your dream, to have uh, your vision, to have your heart's desire come to pass, but now you're stressed out over it? And the blessing of the Lord make it rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And so God wants us to have the manifestation of our dreams, our, our desires, and, and our visions, but he, don't, he doesn't want us stressed out behind it. And so if we're going to have it like that then, then it's going to have to be rooted in the application of principles. In other words, you, you're not going to have the luxury of living your life by your emotions that you're going to have to learn to respect principles. That principles, principles are not subject to conditions. Principles are not subject to, to circumstances. That principles will work in any environment. Sowing and reaping will work in any environment. So principles will work in any environment. You know, when the Lord says, love your enemies, if you love your enemies and he says certain things will happen as a result of that, they will happen. They will come to pass. They will manifest. Why? Because now, rather than being moved by your emotions, you are actually operating within a principle, within a principle. And principle causes things to happen. Well, the promise of God is that he would direct my path. Now, how many know God said he'd do that? Well, that's not without a principle being applied. God will direct your path. God will order your steps because the Bible says so. But now let's back up and look at the principle. Trust in God with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So we see now that when it comes to the promises of God, Every promise has a principle that goes before it. So there are some things that I must do. The Bible says that God would open for me the windows of heaven, pull me out of blessing. I wouldn't have room enough to receive it. Well, I received that. But now that doesn't work because God said it. It works because you apply the principle of that. You return the tithe. Now God says he'll open the windows of heaven for you. See, and so when we talk about principles, we're talking about things that have already been tried, things that have already been tested, things that have already been proven to work if we will work them. And that's why the Bible says, uh, you know, don't, don't be hearers of the word only, but be, become doers of the word. Because it's only when you do, folks, it doesn't matter who you listen to. It's how much you do that you receive. 
that's really going to make the difference in your life. You know, I can, I can be gone the rest of the year, and Jesus himself can come here and teach you every Sunday and every Wednesday, but just because he taught you something, that doesn't mean it's going to work. It's only going to work when you do what he said. He told Peter, go fishing. The first fish you catch, pull him up, and in his mouth, you're going to find the money you need. And that's what he said. Now, if Peter never would have done it, he never would have got the money that he needed. So I'm trying to get you to see that you're going to have to make a commitment to principles and stop living your life by emotion because principles don't care if you saved or unsaved. Principles work for whoever applies. And that's why you see even people who are ungodly, people who don't serve God, you know, a lot of ungodly people who are very successful, you'll be, be surprised of the principles that they apply to their life that causes them to win in life. Are you listening to me? Marriage is based on principles. You apply certain principles in that marriage relationship, that marriage relationship is going to work. See, it has to be based on some kind of principle. That's why you have both Christians and non-Christians, people who don't even serve God, but have great marriage relationships. Why? They're applying principles. And principles always cause a thing to work. Amen? And see, you praying, praising, but you're not applying the principles, and your marriage is jacked up. And then your neighbors who don't even praise God, who don't pray, who don't give tithes, who don't do none of that, but they apply principles for successful marriage relationship. And it causes it to work every time. Are you listening to what I'm saying? See, I'm trying to get you out of your emotion and get you to concentrate on principles that regardless to the condition, regardless of the circumstance, if I apply these principles, I'm going to have success in my life. Amen? You know, if you've been to any wealth-building seminars and things like that, Folks, them folks are doing nothing more than talking about principles in the Bible. They just don't mention the Bible to you. But they're talking about, they, they have taken what God said, applied it to their lives without a commitment to God, and it's working for them. They talk about affirmations. Affirmations are nothing more than faith confession. We call it faith confession. We call it confessions of faith. They call it affirmation. You speaking positive, saying great things, not watching certain words that come out of your mouth. Folks, that's Proverb 18, 21. <laughs> Death and life is in the power of the tongue. You have what you say. They talk about meditation and all these kind of things. They teach you to give 10% of your earnings to a charitable organization. That's the tithe. And they taking our stuff and working it. And it's working for them, and we just being emotional, just jumping, running, dancing, and shouting in the church. Amen. Three laps in the sanctuary ain't going to change your marriage. You can run all you want to in church. Lifting your hands ain't going to help your marriage. You got to go home and apply principles. Are you listening to me? You can put money on the stage. You can do all of that. That ain't going to change your finances. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but folks, I'm just trying to get you out of all of this emotion and get you to start paying attention so you can start applying principles in your life because principles will produce every time in your life. And the church said, amen. amen. Now, so let's, let's start this morning. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, and let's just go... Uh, right to the, uh, to the Message Bible. If you don't have a Message Bible, uh, then just look up on the screen. They'll put it up there. 
But there's something the Message Bible says that I really want to point out to you regarding principles, and then I'm going to give you a definition for principles. Look what he says in verse number four, a thick bankroll. Say, that's me. <laughs> he says, a thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart. How many know that's the truth? You know, a thick bankroll don't, don't, you know, it can't get you out of depression. A thick bankroll don't get you out of thoughts of suicide. A thick bankroll, you know, is not what keeps your marriage together, you know, all these kind of things. And so while it's great, it, that's not what's going to help you when your life is falling apart. It does, a thick bankroll don't heal cancer. It can get you a good doctor, but it doesn't guarantee your healing. Get you a good attorney, get you the best attorney in the world, but it doesn't guarantee your victory. Are you listening to me? But look what he goes on to say. But a principled life, a principled life can stand up to the worst. That it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, that if you make a decision that I'm going to live by principles, that those principles will work even in the worst of times in my life. So it doesn't matter what my conditions are. So it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter the report that I've gotten, I've received. God is still expecting me to live a what? Principled life. Because a principled life can stand up even to the worst of times and the worst of circumstances. Do you see that? All right, let's move a little further. Go to Job 17 and 9. Job 17 and 9. There again, you can just look up on the screen if you don't have a message Bible. And in Job 17 and verse number 9, look what he says now. He says, decent people, uh, I think I'm starting at maybe, maybe 7, or, uh, verse 7, I'm not sure. Uh, verse 8 as well, so go to verse 8. Uh, verse 8, yeah, okay. Decent people can't believe what they're seeing. See, decent people, now these are good people. Decent people are good people. You ever heard your, you, you, maybe your grandmother used to say, now they, they're some decent folk. See, these are good people, but they can't, see, good people can't believe when things are going wrong in their life. They can't believe what I'm seeing. Because we good folk. I can't believe that's happening to us. We, we good folk. Decent people can't believe what they're seeing. Now watch this. The good-hearted wake up and insists, I've given up on God. So even good-hearted folk, it's, it's true right here that even a man with a good heart, even good-hearted folk can say, this is too much. I, I, I quit on God. I give up. This is just too much. See, but that's emotion. That's emotion. This is just too much. Yeah, they got a good heart. They, they love God, but they don't understand principle, so they get moved by their emotion and just decide, you know what? It's not even worth it. I just, I just give up all together. They give up on God. But now watch this. But principled people, say, that's me. Principled people, they hold tight. They keep a firm grip on life. Sure that their clean, pure hand will get stronger and stronger. See, principal people don't give up. 
because they understand that these principles that I am applying, regardless of my circumstance, regardless of my, my financial condition, I am giving because the Bible says I'm to give, and if I give, God will cause me to give unto me good measures. I know it looked bad right now, but here's the principle. Good-hearted folk, they just give up on God. Decent folk just can't believe all the wrong that's going on in their life. But principled people, they hold firm. They hold tight. They keep a firm grip on life. It's bad, but I ain't going to let it control me. I'm going to stay in control because I'm going to keep operating in the principles of God. Glory to God. Let's look at one more, Proverb 22. Proverb 22. Say, I'm a principle-driven man. If you're a man, if you're a woman, say, I'm a principle-driven woman. You know. Make sure you're, okay. <laughs> All right, now watch this in verse number, I think I'm starting, because my Bible is numbered a little different in the message. I think I'm starting in maybe verse 19. What does 19 say? Uh, Proverb 22. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's why I am right there. 22 and 19 says, to make sure your foundation is trust in God, I'm laying it all, all out right now just for you. Now, now watch what he said. He says, I'm laying it all out just for you. I'm doing it right now. I'm laying it all out just for you. Say, pastor's laying it out just for us. He says, I'm giving you 30 sterling principles. And, and I like in, in the message Bible how it lists down th through the text, it just lists what these various principles are. Um... He says, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you 30 sterling principles. Watch this. Tested guidelines to live by. Man, that's good stuff. That make you want to bite the back out of the chair in front of you. Make you want to stick your hand in somebody's head and see where they track start. <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm giving you 30 sterling principles. So these are, these are sterling principles. In other words, these are golden principles. And, and he calls them tested guidelines to live by. Look what he says. Believe me, these are truths that work. These are truths that work. So let me give you a definition of principles. Principles are tested truths and guidelines whereby your life is to be governed if success is your desire. They are tested truths. These are truths. Now the Bible said the word of God is tested and tried. The word has been proven to work. They are tested truths and guidelines whereby your life is to be lived only if 
Success is your desire. If success is not your desire, I'm not even talking to you. But for those of us, and I believe, no, nobody in here wants to be a failure. Ain't nobody in here want to be a failure. But see, we're not used to, see, we've been so, so brainwashed by religion and tradition. This word success is a turnoff in church. We don't, that, we, don't, we don't equate success with Jesus. The, the church, you know, tradition and religion, we like struggle. We like struggle. We like it hard. You know, and, you know, you know things ain't right. And, and, and you know, and, and I didn't have, they cut my lights off this week, but I tell you what. You know, see, we like... We like stuff like that. And you, you, go, you can go to some churches, and that's all you hear is bad news. How hard it is. The devil, the devil on my trail, and, and, and I may not have a mansion. And, and see, you hear all this, this kind of stuff you hear. And, and you, know, you know, see, this, see I'm trying to tell you, you don't, you don't hear. See, you don't, we, don't, we don't equate success with church, but everybody in the church wants success. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody starts a business to fail. Nobody gets a, a degree in a particular area to never find employment. You plan on succeeding with that degree. Nobody gets married to fail. Nobody has kids to fail in raising those kids. And the Bible says if you do certain things, if you operate the principles, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So even God is not against your success. Amen. But religious folk and traditional people, they're against success, against you succeeding in life. And so we kind of we turn off, well, you know, all that, you know, I, we really don't want to hear things like that, but you want to succeed. Whoever you work for, they want you to succeed in, in whatever assignment they give you. They want you to be successful in that. Whatever your task, your responsibilities, your duties are in the workplace, they want you to succeed in it. Amen. 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 Success is the will of God. You're just doing well in life. That's the will of God for every child of God. Amen. Amen. And we can't sit back and just let the world succeed. That's right. And we just fail. The Bible says the children of darkness are more wiser than the children of light. What in the world? The children of darkness, the world and their generation is more wiser than the children of light. That's us. How in the world they are more wiser than us? Folks, there's only one area where the Bible mentions that. When he come to money. He was talking about money and stewardship. And he said the world is smarter than the church. When it come to money. You know why? They govern themselves by principle. And we trying to, we trying to make it 
running, jumping, dancing, and shouting. And I don't knock any of that. But when I go for a loan in the bank, I can't run around his desk. <laughs> you can't be sitting there in front of the man talking in tongues and think the man's going to give you some money. Principles. Principles of order. Making sure I have things in order, organized. Amen. When I need to produce, I can produce. That I have things in order. Principles. Living our life by principle. Doing first things first. Keeping my life balanced. Making sure my name is good. By way of credit. I hadn't damaged and, and, and corrupted my name. Trying to get you healthy, man. Trying to get you healthy. You want your kids to succeed. You know you have to do something to fail. We say, well, you don't have to do nothing to fail. Doing nothing is doing something. You're doing nothing. You're doing something. It's called nothing. And it's called, it's called failure, failure in our life. Man, I'm loving this. So if I'm going to see the fulfillment of my dream, my desire, uh, my vision, then and have it without stress, it's going to have to be rooted in principles. All right? Rooted in principles. Now, um, principle number one, we said uh, we need to be clear in our vision. Principle two, we have to know the potential for fulfilling vision. Let's go right to, I want to give you five common hindrances to releasing your potential. Five common hindrances to releasing your potential. These are things that keep you from releasing your potential because potential is in you. And the Bible said God is able to do what? Exceeding, what else? Abundantly, what? Above all that you what? Ask or think according to the what? Power that works well in you. That's power in you working. And the Bible is clear on what that power is. It's the power of God. It's an unlimited power. It's a boundless power. It is the power of God. So if you have a limitless, a boundless power that's working in you, then what, what can stop you? What can stop you? Nothing. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. No one can stop you. If God be for you, who in the world going to be against you? Nobody can stop you. You're the only one who can stop you. The devil can't stop you. You are the only one that can stop you. All right? Now, number one, the first one is fear and feelings of inadequacy. Fear and feelings of inadequacy. You having this fear, this, this spirit of timidity, feelings of inadequacy, feelings that you don't measure up, feelings that you are not good enough, you don't have what it takes. These are feelings of inadequacy, and they keep you from stepping up and doing what you need to do to perform. Feelings of inadequacy. You, you, you start having these feelings of inadequacy because you see others around you, and you get intimidated by that. And so these things, they keep you from releasing your potential. See, potential, potential 
is it's, it's a supernatural ability that causes you to live beyond your natural ability. That inside of each and every one of us is the power of God, the potential to live beyond our natural ability. See, God has, not, God has not designed our lives just to be lived by our natural abilities. He says, I can do, Paul said it, I can do all things through who? Christ, who does what? Strengthens me by that inner strength on the inside. So God doesn't want you living by what's out here. He wants you living by who's in here. If you live by what's out here, you're going to be limited. But if you live by who's in here, there are no limitations. Amen. 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 Now, here's the thing, people. You know, it's, it's, you know that was a, um, a thing that came out. I was watching this, this, um, this, 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 this movie one time, and this guy was speaking. No, it wasn't a movie. It was a guy. He was speaking. And he was saying a lot of kids, he was talking about kids that didn't know their ABCs. He said what it is, they knew the song, but they didn't know the ABCs. Because you tell say your ABC. Let me see. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But if they try to say it, they didn't know them. Now, where am I going with it? That I'm sitting here talking to you about the limitless power of God, but there are no boundaries. Nothing restrains you. Nothing restricts you. And, you know, and, and some of y'all sitting here like you never heard that before. You know, huh, huh. But then we sing the song. No limits, no boundaries. I see increase. See, you can see it then because you're singing it. But when I'm talking to you, you're sitting there doubting that like, nah, that ain't me. But, but that's the same song you cry on. When you, when you hear it sung to you, when you hear it sung to you, you cry. You got tears rolling down your face. Then when I say it to you, you're sitting there like, hmm, that ain't me. He must shoot. I know. He ain't talking about me because I know I can't do all things. What do you mean no limit? Now, it is some limits in life. <laughs> and faith comes by hearing the word. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't come to speak to where you are. I come to get you past where you are yeah. to where God desires you to be. And that potential and power on the inside of you, it causes you to live beyond your natural abilities. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. I am living, my wife and I, we live beyond our natural ability. Amen. I don't have a degree for what I'm doing. I hadn't been to school for what I'm doing. I have, a, I have a 12, I went to the 12th grade and worked in warehouses. That's all I've done. Work, work, worked at Popeye's a couple of months. Because I couldn't, you know, I'm, you know, I always knew I was supposed to be a preacher. I always knew I was supposed to pastor. I knew that. And like, and like, like, uh, like Nehemiah, when Nehemiah had a passion in his heart to go and do what God had put in his heart to rebuild the city, the Bible said even though he was the cupbearer for the king, that it was something he was missing, and he just wasn't comfortable being a cupbearer, even though he's right there with the king, but he had in his heart something else. Yeah. Amen. 
Because I'm in, now I'm, I'm, I'm in my passion. I'm in my purpose. I'm, in, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Now, it doesn't mean I'm ignorant. doesn't mean I'm unlearned by a long shot. But I know guys with credentials, with, with all the alphabets behind their name, and they are failing. Why? Because they living by that. I'm living by who's on the inside of me. I don't have the degree for the lifestyle I live. Amen. But there's somebody greater on the inside of me. And he is Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah El Shaddai. And he is the one that does everything that I need to have done, praise God. It's who's on the inside. It's not about what's on that. It's not about the degrees on the wall. I am not knocking education. I, I promote it. But don't live by that on the wall. I know folk got them on the wall. They can't get a job. You got folk got degrees on the wall, they on crack. They on drugs, they on alcohol. But see, a degree on the wall can't teach you how to have a great marriage relationship. You got to learn how to listen to the one on the inside of you. So while all, that, while all that's good, the degrees, the money, the accolade, while all that's good, man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that come out of the mouth of God. These are the principles that we live by. You got to live by the word. Yeah. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Yes. You got to live by, by the word of God. Mm. And it will produce in your life. Yeah. Number two, past failures of yourself and others. You failed at something in the past. And that can cause you to not want to release potential That's right. for your future. Well, I tried that. I tried that. Well, that's what Peter did. Jesus said to Peter, he said, let down your net for a catch. What did Peter say? Oh, no, Lord, we, we've tarred all night. I've already tried that. What you telling me to do, I've already tried. He said, we tarred all night, and we don't have anything. We have caught nothing. We've been out here all night working and have nothing to show for it. Hello? How many years you've worked with nothing to show for it? You've just been tarring. But look what he said. He said, nevertheless, at your word. In other words, I'm going to take this principle you just gave me, and I'm going to try this principle. And when he did it, he caught a boatload of fish. Why? Because he didn't get moved by the condition. He operated on the principle. So you can't let past failure keep you from releasing your potential for the future. Number three, being consumed with your own limitations, deficits, and circumstances. Your own deficit, what you don't have. Well, I don't have this. I don't have, if I had a man, if I had a husband. You know, some of you single women, you got your whole life on hold because you waiting on a man. What you waiting on a man for? That might be your worst mistake. I know some women who were doing good till they got connected with a man. Now they call, banged up, they credit messed up. Because they got some Johnny come lately that they just wanted a warm body laying next to him. And instead of a dream, you got a, a nightmare. Now you can't get rid of that thing. Come on. 
but your limitations and your deficits. That's what Moses tried the same thing. God told him to go down, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And what did he say? Lord, I, I, can't, I can't talk. You know I'm not eloquent. I can't talk plain. He said, look, I don't want to hear that. Take Aaron with you. Aaron, he's a good talker. Take him, but you're going to do what I told you to do. Somebody always has what you don't have. And if you follow God, he'll connect you to him. Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet. Prophets were to speak to the people on behalf of God. Jeremiah didn't want to be a prophet. He wanted to be a priest like, like the other family members that he had. He come from a line of priests. The priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. He didn't have no problem with that. But he said, I don't want to be talking to the folk. That's why God said, don't worry about their faces. And I know what he's talking about because you can get some faces. I'm looking at some of y'all. But he said, don't worry about their faces. He said, but I can't talk. I'm, 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 I'm just a child. I can't talk. He said, okay, I'm going to touch your mouth, put my word in your mouth. Now what's your excuse? Yeah. That's right. Number four, that mediocre mentality, just being average, doing enough just to get by, just doing enough just so you can say you did something. Amen. You know, some of, you know, some of, some of the students, you do enough to get by. See, when, you, when you're average, when you're mediocre, you, that means you're just ordinary. You don't want to be like everybody else. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary is extra. All you got to do is just do some extra. Well, she said just read one page tonight. Go and read two. But that ain't what she said. Yeah, they didn't want to obey the teacher. <laughs> but just doing some, doing some extra. You can get out of debt if you start paying some extra. Because the system ain't designed for you to be out of debt. You be paying $25 a month on a credit card till Jesus come back. <laughs> if you just send them what they asked for. So you be looking for that minimum requirement, minimum requirement, minimum payment, $20. And you say, all they want is 20 and, and they love you sending that 20 because they know you're going to be the next 20 years trying to pay $2,000 off. It ain't designed for you to get, be debt free. You got to do extra. And then the failure to see yourself the way God sees you. I call it inferiority complex. Inferiority complex. Some of you are inferior. Your color, maybe your, you know, your, your shape. But whatever it is, it, it has you inferior. Amen. Inferiority complex. You think others are superior to you, but you're not. But it keeps you from being who God wants you to be. Let's, um, I got a few, a few minutes left. Uh, number three, let's, let's just kind of hit number three, the third principle. And uh, we'll pick up that next week. The third principle, I love this principle, is possess the passion for your vision. The passion for your vision. Are you passionate about that vision? Passion, passion is, is an appetite. 
So with that, how hungry are you for that? You got to get hungry for it. How, how hungry are you for that? Appetite is, is how bad you want it. Appetite is a forceful devotion to a cause or expectation. Appetite pays the cost no matter what it is. Appetite says, I'm going after it if it take me 20 years. That's passion. Passion keeps you focused. Passion means I believe something is bigger than what I see. It's passion. And the Bible asks, what has happened in Galatians 4, 15? What has happened to all your passion, your zeal, and your enthusiasm? See, it's easy. It's easy to get fired up. It's hard to stay fired up. Especially when things are not going as well as you thought they would. See, you remember that zeal and that passion you had, uh, you know, when you got married? You were fired up, man. Oh, man, I ain't, man, I, let, let me, let, come here, let me, let me introduce you to my wife, man. It's my wife. Let me, let me, let me introduce y'all, man. Y'all, I don't think y'all met my wife now. Yeah, everything. Man, that's a nice coat. Oh, man, my wife picked that out for me, man. Yeah, man, my wife, my wife bought that coat, man. Well, man, we gonna hook up? No, man, me and my wife, you know, she wanna she want go down to so-and-so, man, I'm gonna take my wife around now. Now today. Man, y'all don't wanna do nothing. Oh, man, that's my wife, man. <laughs> Come on, man, let's go. Don't even worry about that. That's my wife. That's my wife. Inviting everybody to the wedding. You won't invite nobody to your house now. Because you know all that tension up in there. They're going to they gonna, they gonna sense that tension up in there when they get up in there. Brother, come to your house. You meet him outside. Hey, man, what's up? Yeah, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. Come on, man, let's go out here and talk. <laughs> Some of you are like that about your job. You hate the job you used to love. What happened? You lost your passion. You used to tell everybody where you got hired. Yeah, you know, they hired me over there. I'm at so-and-so now. Now you just, yeah, I'm, I'm still over there. But I'm looking for something else, man. See, you have lost your passion. Now, I'm going to say something to you. Don't, don't, don't forget this. I want you to get a hold of this. The Apostle Paul, we'll look at it next week, but the Apostle Paul, this is how you know you got passion about something. The Apostle Paul, they had came against him about his apostleship. They were saying that he was not a genuine apostle. And the Apostle Paul, to defend his apostleship, what he did, Brother Bell, he didn't talk about all the great things God was doing in his life. 
to prove he was an apostle. He didn't say, I must be an apostle. See all the wonderful things that happen. People get healed in my meetings. This happened and I planted churches. He didn't mention any of that. When he defended his apostleship, he talked about all the trouble he went through. Talked about how he'd been shipwrecked. Talked about how he had been, been beaten and how he had been drugged and how he had been imprisoned. Talked about all the stuff he went through. And then on top of that, he said, and beside that, I got all these churches I got to be concerned with. What is he saying? He's saying if I wasn't a genuine apostle, I would have quit after all that. But if a man can go through what I went through and still be passionate about it today, I am a true apostle. See, you know that dream, that vision, that desire, you know that's really in your heart. When regardless to what happens, you still got the same passion for it. Yeah. Jesus came here to die. He never lost that passion. He came here saying, you know, I came to do the Father's will. It's written in the volume of the book about me that I'm going to die, that I'm going to do the Father's will. That's what he said. Now you got a cross in front of him. Now what you going to say? You're getting ready to die. All this talk you did, now you're about to die. Now you got to lay your life down. Now what you got to say about it? Are you still excited? Are you still passionate? Jesus looked at that cross and looked on the other side of that cross and said, for the joy that's set before me, I can endure this cross. I can despise this shame. Why? Because I'm called to do this. It's really in my heart. You don't have the passion that it takes to look beyond where you are, you'll never get beyond where you are. Why? Because you can't exceed in anything without passion. I'm just as passionate today as I was when we started this work. I didn't just get excited today. I didn't just get passionate today. I didn't just get determined today when we had a new building or, or we have land. Oh, no, I've been, I've been on fire. I got on fire when God called me. Yeah. And I've been excited ever since. And it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter who come. It doesn't matter who go. None of that means anything to me because I'm still passionate about what God called me to do. And my passion has nothing at all to do with you or without you. You got to be your biggest cheerleader. If nobody else tell you you're doing a good job, you got to talk to yourself and say, you're doing a good job, boy. Because I know where you come from. I know where you started. I know your qualification. And you are doing a good job. You got to tell yourself, God got his hand on you. You got to tell yourself, yeah, God is using you in this day and time. You got to talk to yourself. That if nobody else is, is passionate about what you're doing, you got to be passionate about it. I got enough passion myself for what I'm doing. Which explains why I get upset when folks say we're in Houston. We ain't in Houston. Because it's easy to do in Houston what we're doing, but we ain't in Houston. We taking country folk and making a difference in the city. And I'm just as passionate today 
I never come in here. Well, you know, saints, it's, it's tough, and well, you know, it's, it's, it's getting hard. How many know it's hard? Look at the person next to you and say, it's hard. I just want to let y'all know sometime pastor's up. And sometime pastor down. Sometime pastor level to the ground. But that's all right, because I'm a whole on. You know, man, I'm not going through that. I win in every situation. God always calls me to triumph. I'm more than a conqueror, praise God. Hey! Glory be to God. You got to have enough passion to get through the tough time. You don't sing about the tough time. You don't preach about the tough time. You preach about the victories. You preach about your triumph. You preach your testimony of the good things that God is doing. I got proof the devil on crack. I got proof he drinking. He got to be to mess with me. Because I do, all I do is come back, and when I come back, I come back with double. I come back with double my joy, double my excitement, double my zeal, double my resources. I come back with double, praise God. You can't lose your passion. You got to be just as passionate. Today, as you were when you started. But what happens, we let circumstances and situations come in and take our joy away from us. See, you know it's in your heart. When it doesn't matter the cost, you don't walk away. Think about it. There are some things you wanted, and you said they was in your heart, and you found out what it cost. You walked away from it. Oh, I ain't know they cost that much. Well, I thought you wanted something. Yeah, but when I saw what them things cost, see, you weren't passionate about it. It wasn't in your heart. It was just in your head. Because when it get to your heart, and you find out what it cost, it might just take me a little longer, but I'm going to get one. Can't get away from it. I sleep it. I eat it. I lay down in it. I wake up in it. I can't get away. It won't let me go, and I ain't going to let it go. It's passion. And that's what it takes for your vision to come to pass. You got to get passionate about it. You got to get serious about it. Can't be so quick to give up. So quick to quit and throw in the towel. A good marriage is in your heart, you hold on to it. Hold on to it. Yeah, but my wife this, my wife that, just gonna take a little longer. But we ain't throwing it away. Are you listening to me? Passion for that vision. Because that's what it takes. They rebuilt that wall in Jerusalem. Here's why. Because they had a mind to work. 
Another translation say they had heart. It takes heart, man. But you got what it takes. Because God doesn't get weary and he's on the inside of you. They that wait. You don't hear what I'm saying. Upon the Lord. Shall renew. Their strength. They shall mount up. My goodness. So they can get above the circumstance. Mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not get weary. Walk and never faint. Are there any eagles in here? Don't be weary in well-doing because in due season, you going to reap if you faint not. I ain't quitting. I ain't fainting. I ain't throwing in the towel. I ain't giving up on my dream. I'm not giving up on my vision. Come hell, high water, no water. It doesn't matter what happened. I ain't giving up on my dream. I come too far to turn back now. God been too good for me to give up on him now. He been too faithful and too merciful for me to quit on him now. So even in trouble, he said, I'm going to be with you. So even if I'm in trouble, I ain't there by myself. Don't quit. Don't quit. Principled people get a grip on life. Get a grip on life. Principled people get a grip on their marriage. They get a grip on their career. They get a grip on that business. They get a grip on their health. They get a grip on their emotions. They don't live by their emotions. They get a grip on their mind. Principle people. You got to determine to live by principle that it doesn't matter what happened. I'm going with what's been tested. I'm going with what's been tried. And as the scripture said, I'm going with what works. And the word works. There's no force that can deny the word of God. No force that can deny the word of God. God is faithful. He brought you here because he's concerned about your restoration. You know, it's It's easy to look at somebody else's life 
See, they got it made. It's easy for them to say. But folks, and I share this periodically, we look at where we are today, my wife and I. We just stay with the principles. We stay with the principles. Even in tough financial difficulty, marriage difficulty, we didn't had it all, man. Marriage problems, didn't want to be with her, she didn't want to be with me. Struggling. Folks used to buy us groceries. Women used to have to bless my wife and get her hair done. It's not long ago. And just 10, 10 and a half years ago, it was so bad. I was going to commit suicide. I'm sitting on the foot of my bed. No job. I don't have a job. She don't have a job. It's bad. And what are you going to do? You, what are you, you going to do? You, you got a choice to make. You're going to take your life or you going to trust God. What are, what are you going to do? Because it was bad. It was, it was bad. It was bad. It was painful. And I thought the best option was suicide. It wasn't even worth living anymore. Ten years ago. And I saw myself take my life. Saw myself, shot myself in the head. My wife was going to come in, find me laying on the floor. I, I shot myself in the head. I'm lying with one foot on the bed. The rest of my body's on the floor. I'm lying in a pool of blood. My wife was going to walk in and find me. I saw that. And once I saw it, I reached for my drawer to get my pistol, carry it out. And God spoke to me. He said, now you can do it. There's nothing I can do to stop you. But there's so much anointing on you. I've invested so much in you. It won't even kill you. But you'll be a vegetable the rest of your life. You'll always remember this day. I said, God, I don't want to live like that. And I told God, nobody loves me. It was bad between my wife. It was bad. Nobody loves me, God. I've disappointed everybody. Living in shame, living in guilt. Didn't want to live. Friends walked away. I know how Joe felt. Friends walked away. Nobody was around me. I just want to die. He said, let me tell you something. If your trust is in people, then you need to go and do it. But if your trust is in me, I'll restore your life and you can live again. I decided to trust him. I decided to trust him. I made a decision. Okay. I'm going to trust you. And I trusted him. And with nothing started the ministry. 
and 10 years later. Ten years later. And people try to make light. They try to make light of you. But folks, the best revenge is success. And you ain't never trying to prove nothing to anybody anyway. You're just trying to live for God. You're just trying to do your part. And look at the lie that we've touched, that we've restored. Look at the marriages that we've touched and we've restored. Look at the people whose lives have been turned around just, just because of us. We know it's God through us, but, but we've yielded ourselves so God can work through, so he can restore somebody else's life. And guys ask me, Doc, where your degree from? And they know I don't have a degree. But that's their way of trying to make light. But I didn't know you needed a degree to walk by faith. Are you listening to me? All you got to do is know how to hear God and obey him. Get your degree. Get your degree. Get it. Get as, go as far as you can with your education. I value education. But I don't put it above God. Because when I was getting ready to commit suicide, we read it earlier, no bankroll could help me. Folks with money commit suicide. Amen. God had a plan for our lives. And I didn't know that God kept me here for you. Because where, where would you be? Where would you be? Because God knows who he wants to use to deliver you. It's no accident that our paths cross. We met in the kingdom. We didn't meet anywhere. We, our connection was kingdom. Because there's something God wanted to do through us in your life. Amen. And what I'm saying to you, you can live again. It's not over. It's not over. I know it looks bad. I know it doesn't feel good. I know you wish it was different, but it's not. It is what it is. But if you do what I did, made a decision to trust God again, and jump in with everything. Jump in with all your heart. Jump in with everything. Who knows where you'd be in the next five years? Because I couldn't have told you I'd be here within the next 10 years. And God spoke to me before and said, son, whenever you tell that, 
you tell them, whatever I've done in your life in that amount of time, half in it, because that's how soon I'm going to do it in their life. Five years. Five years. Can you give him five years? You got, a, you, got, you got a living example right in front of you that God can restore it. Just hold out another five. Just give him five years. And you'd be saying, I can't believe I was about to give up. It's going to be good for you in five years. I promise you. If you, if you, now it's not going to be good because I said it. Gonna be good because you take those principles and you live by them. You apply them. And it'll be far beyond your wildest dream. What God would do in your life. Amen. And he ain't finished. I'm a big dreamer. He, he ain't finished with the ministry or with my personal life. I will have everything that God promised me. God told me somebody was going to give me a million dollars. He told me that. I just hold to it. I don't ease up to nobody, make no hints. Because I know millionaires. I know millionaires. I don't tell that testimony when I'm just around millionaires. See, that's game. I just be quiet. I know when to tell it, when not to tell it. But I hold to what God said. And you watch. You stay here, you're going to get the testimony one day. And somebody gave pastor a million dollars. And I believe they give it to me like they gave it to Fred Price. They gave him enough to pay the taxes so he can have a clear million. Amen. Amen. Don't give up. Amen. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Because God is faithful, but you got to work the word. You got to work the principles. It's more than just raising your hand saying hallelujah. It's more than just running around the church. That's why I try to teach you sound word, because it ain't about emotion. It's not about emotion. It's about working that word, taking those principles, but your life will be restored. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what it looked like. I don't care what they told you. You work that word, it's going to work for you. Just have your seats just for a moment.